Hello and welcome everybody to the Seacook Fireside Chats, a series of podcasts dealing with the most recent developments in oncology. I'm Christiane Dallinger and it's my pleasure to moderate today the second Fireside Chat of the Central European Cooperative Study Group. I want to thank AstraZeneca for supporting the Seacook Fireside Chats. Today, we will cover the very challenging topic of changing the extensive stage treatment of small cell lung cancer paradigm with immune oncology combinations. I'm very happy to welcome today very well-recognized speakers, Professor Marko Jakopovic and Professor Wolfgang Köstler. Professor Jakopovic right. works at the Universal Hospital in Zagreb, where he is the head of the Thoracic Oncology Unit at the Department of Respiratory Disease. Our second panel partner today is Professor Wolfgang Köstler. He currently serves as co-chairman of the Thoracic Medical Oncology Unit at the Division of Oncology at the Medical University of Vienna. Small cell lung cancer, which accounts for 10 to 15% of lung cancer cases, is an aggressive disease characterized by rapid growth and early widespread metastasis. Although up to 80% of patients respond to first-line chemotherapy, most eventually relapse, and there are no approved agents beyond the second line. Despite the high incidence of mutations in small cell lung cancer, to date no targeted therapy has shown a benefit for this patient population, and systemic treatment has not changed significantly during the past three decades. Given that extensive stage small cell lung cancer has a five-year survival rate of only one to two percent, novel therapy strategies are desperately needed. Professor Köstler, what do you think? Recent evidence shows that the immune system is capable of generating anti-tumor response against various tumors, including lung cancer, suggesting that immunotherapy may be a therapeutic approach to the treatment of patients with small, small cell lung cancer. Can you support this assumption? Can we build on this? So, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for the invitation. Um, and uh, to make a long statement short, I would say yes to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have evidence now from at least three randomized large trials um, in, advanced, in advanced small cell lung cancer, suggesting that the addition of immunotherapy is beneficial in this situation in terms of improving the outcomes of the patients. Yeah. And the benefit that we see is uh, clinically meaningful in terms of the prolongation of overall survival that we see. But on the other hand, we also have to admit that the advances we see in um, small cell lung cancer may, may be much smaller than what we have seen in non-small cell lung cancer. So the magnitude of the benefit may be somewhat more limited, and maybe we just do not yet understand how to do it right or how to do it best. Yeah, um, it seems it seems that we have progressed a little bit in a in a journey that has been very very frustrating because basically over the last two decades there have been only very very minor improvements in the outcomes of patients with advanced advanced small cell lung cancer, and the chemotherapy backbone did not change in the last two decades. Um, 
But overall, it seems that we are progressing, maybe not at the pace that, that we would have liked to. Uh, Professor Jakobowicz, so what do you think, thinking of immunotherapy being investigated for patients with small cell lung cancer, antibodies that target the program cell death protein 1 and cytotoxic T cell lymphocyte antigen immune checkpoint passes are perhaps the most promising? Could you comment on that? Well, I would agree with the Wolfgang. I think that we, we were expecting much more from the immunotherapy in a small cell lung cancer because we know that uh, tumor mutational burden, number of mutations is really important in a, as a predictor of response to immunotherapy. And we know that small cell lung cancer, because it's really connected with the smoking, it's having a lot of mutations per cell. And I think that we were expecting much more, but nevertheless, we have this um, improvement in overall survival for two months, a little bit more in clinical trials. I think it was really like 10 years ago in a non-small cell lung cancer, we thought that two months is really important, but nowadays we think that two months is not important, but I think that in a small cell is really important. But I think that as Wolfgang said, we expected more. And I think that the biggest issue is that how to, if you look at this, at least these two positive trials with the Caspian and Empower 133, we have tales of overall survival, survival in, in Kaplan-Meier curves. The problem is that we don't have predictive biomarkers like in non-small cell, like pd one expression in small cell lung cancer. So that's, that's the biggest issue. I think we, we still have 20 or 30% of patients who will have prolonged responses to immunotherapy together with chemotherapy, of course. So that, that I think that's the biggest issue. So I think this is the step forward in small cell lung cancer. This is still, I think, you know, in Croatia, I think in Austria, there, there is a lot of smokers. So I think that this small cell lung cancer is still 15 to 20% of all lung cancer patients. So I think that we have to do much more to try to uh, improve their treatment. So I think that this is the step forward and this is the first step uh, to improving the outcome of this disease. But I think that we should all together should work on a finding predictive biomarkers to find this 20 or 30% of patients who will have long-term responses to immunotherapy together with chemotherapy in small cell lung cancer patients. I, I perfectly concur. I perfectly concur. Um, the interesting thing is that what Marco, managed, Marco uh, mentioned is uh, is the tails actually that we see because when we treat advanced small cell lung cancer in the beginning we usually get very good responses from chemotherapy and this is why we don't really see an effect of the immunotherapy uh, in the early course of the treatment because the survival curves both in terms of progression-free survival as well as overall survival look pretty similar whether you give immunotherapy you do not give immunotherapy in addition to chemotherapy the difference actually really starts in the curves once the chemotherapy portion is finished and there has been a very interesting episode there were two major trials that, that investigated these benefits both with pd one antibody the Empower 133 trial which used atezolizumab in combination with chemotherapy and the Caspian trial, which used tuvalumab in combination with chemotherapy. And in both of these trials, immunotherapy was used in combination with the chemotherapy, but after finishing chemotherapy as a maintenance. And in this year's Congress, there was a very interesting um, abstract published, uh, a Power 133 trial, which they looked at those patients which actually reached maintenance, so which made it through the chemotherapy portion, 
and then went into maintenance either with immunotherapy or with placebo. Yeah? What is the difference in outcomes? And we saw that those patients which actually reached the maintenance phase, yeah. the benefit from adding immunotherapy was even much more pronounced than in the overall population. So we saw roughly a four months advantage in overall survival. The hazard, hazard ratio was around 0.6. Yeah? So, so there, there, there is a few issues here in these trials. One of the issues is how can we make sure that really patients make it into these maintenance phases with immunotherapy? Because that seems to be a period where patients benefit a lot from the, from the immunotherapy. And the second observation that there is, is that um, when we treat small cell lung cancer, advanced small cell lung cancer, we very often have patients with a very high tumor load. You know? And, and the question is, you know, how relevant is, is, the, is the tumor load in terms of determining the efficacy of immunotherapy? And also there, for the Caspian trial, there has been interesting, an interesting subgroup analysis which showed that patients who have um, only thoracic-limited disease, so they do not have, for instance, liver metastasis or bone metastasis in addition, so those who have thoracic-limited advanced disease, they seem to derive an even greater benefit from immunotherapy than those who also have extraterrestrial disease. But, but these are, you know, these are only poor predictive markers, yeah? and definitely not the markers, as Marco mentioned, that, that we would like to see and that would really help us to pick the right treatment or to pick those patients which really benefit from immunotherapy. I would completely agree with you, Wolfgang. I think this is the one thing we are getting used to pd one in non-small cell lung cancer, which is predictive, predictor of response to immunotherapy. The other issue is that we came in these two or three months or four months in overall survival. But if we are looking at the progression-free survival, I think it's everything could be attributed, attributed to chemotherapy, actually. So I think the chemotherapy is doing the uh, slowing down the progression of disease, but we have to look for these uh, patients who will have uh, long responses with immuno. Therapy, so we have twenty percent of those patients. The other thing is that I think that uh, tumor load is high, but TMB also, together with PDL one, is not really predictive as much as in small cell lung cancer, as much as in non-small cell lung cancer. So we we are at the beginning of a journey. It's improving improving uh, treatment of patients with uh, small cell lung cancer. The other issue is that I think that in all of the patients with early stage. I mean, the limited stage or extensive stage disease in small cell lung cancer is radiotherapy. Because if you have early stage patients, we are having a lot of radiotherapy in that of patients. And in my center, if you have patients with extensive stage small cell lung cancer, if there is complete or near complete response, we are applying radiotherapy, which was not allowed in all of those trials, which was uh, published so far. And in some of the trials, the, the, PCI was also not allowed, at least in a, uh, uh, at least in a Caspian trial. The PCI was not allowed in IOR. So th there is like a little bit of controversies in the design of this study. So um, that's one thing. And the other thing is that in Empower, which was one one three three, which was first first published, uh, cisplatin was also not allowed. So I think this is this is something which is really uh, something to uh, be discussed in the future. What do you think, Wolfgang, about that? So I perfectly concur with you because I'm, I also used to be a great proponent of uh, thoracic radiotherapy in patients who have a very good response and only what we very often see even in extensive disease 
when they respond well to the chemotherapy portion, there may only be a small pulmonary residual tumor. And those are the patients in which we used to give, in which we used to give consolidative radiotherapy, thoracic radiotherapy. And our impression was that these patients really derive a great benefit from such treatment. So this thoracic radiotherapy was not incorporated in the, in the, in the, in the pivotal trials that, uh, that were done in small cell lung cancer now with immunotherapy. So neither the IMPAL 133 trial, nor the Cascan trial, even not the Keynote 604 trial, none of them used thoracic radiotherapy because of concerns that there might be some increased pulmonary toxicity, some more pneumonitis with the addition of radiotherapy. I think that this is an important question because we know that radiotherapy um, does not only have detrimental effects in combination with immunotherapy, but may also act as a, as a sensitizer for immunotherapies. I agree, I agree. And that, that may be quite relevant to tumors which are usually poorly immunogenic, such as small cell lung cancer, which we consider, which we consider usually poorly immunogenic. So, so that is definitely something we need to know. And of course, the second question is the, the, the one related to PCI. I mean, in those trials, roughly 10% of the patients only receive PCI. Yeah? Uh, so we don't, we cannot really state what is the role of uh, prophylactic cranial radiation. Um, one of the rationales for PCI, of course, has always been that, um, that the CNS may, may act as a sanctuary site for metastasis um, with regards to chemotherapy. Um, this is a hypothesis which may no longer be true in the immunotherapy area. So the immunotherapy may, or the addition of immunotherapy may actually um, um, be responsible for some of the benefits that we actually saw with PCI in terms of in terms of reducing the CNS recurrence rates. But that is something that is still uh, that is still something that needs to be looked at. Yeah. I completely agree with Wolfgang. I think that we have several problems because these trials were designed similar but not exactly the same so it's not easy to compare the, the results but i think that this addition of immunotherapy to chemotherapy as a maintenance thing is something which which can bring some benefit pci is one of the concerns because we know that one of the main uh, sites of the first recurrence of the disease is brain and so that's why we're applying uh, that's why we're applying pci so that's that's the problem with the this thing so i think this that will be something which is really uh important in the future and then what do you think i mean i'm just i'm discussing because i'm not sure by myself so what do you think about carboplatin and cisplatin in a, because in, in power 133 all of the patients were allowed only carboplatin in caspian trial i don't know one one fourth of the patients we receive cisplatin, and in my, at least in my institution, cisplatin is one thing which is really the best thing, best thing in the world, and then it's something which is <laughs> which should be applied with etoprozide, and cisplatin is something which is cornerstone of treatment of uh, small cell lung cancer. And this is something which we are doing, and then we are we are looking for the carboplatin only if we we must to apply carboplatin in small cell lung cancer patients. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my preferred treatment is actually also cisplatin. Whenever I can, I prefer to give cisplatin, and I usually split the dose over three days, just like the etoposide dose. Yeah. So we give three days of cisplatin, 25 milligrams per square meter per day. Yeah. And we have basically made good experience with that because in our hands, you know, if you split dose, it, it's not very nephrotoxic, yeah. um, and it's not very neurotoxic. And 
of course there is no you know there is no proper head-to-head -head comparison that we can use um, um, and it's it's not the accepted stand by many institutions which have now switched to carboplatin which may be a bit um, a bit better for it in terms of renal and neurotoxicity um, but still when I see a fit patient that when I see the relatively rare ECOX zero um, a small cell lung cancer patient, which does not have any major cardiovascular or renal comorbidities, my preference is still cisplatin-based uh, treatment. Yeah. Um, um, acknowledging that for, for most of the patients that we see, when we see them, they're in a poor, uh, poor performance status. They may be symptomatic from uh, hyponatremia, from brain metastasis, from comorbidities. Um, so in many cases, uh, cisplatin may not be an option, but for those patients which are in good shape, cisplatin would still be my preferred chemotherapy backbone, yes. I would completely agree, because in my, in my institution, at least in, in my country, I think the cisplatin is the first treatment option in all, not only small cell, but also in non-small cell lung cancer in the patients who are fit enough to get cisplatin. So I think this is something which is which we have to take into, into account. But I think that this immunotherapy, adding of immunotherapy to chemotherapy backbone in small cell will, will add something. It's not, it doesn't seem much at, the, at this beginning, but I think that two or three months is something which will add something, at, at least for the, uh, to start something uh, mm -hmm. in the future, I think. I don't know what you think, but I think that we should look for a, um, predictive biomarkers to see what, which patients will go to this tail of the curve, so this 20 or 30% will we get two or three years with extended stage small cell lung cancer? I perfectly agree, but there, there is another point I would like to raise, and this is, you know, all of these immunotherapy trials were developed by the universally accepted chemotherapy backbone for small cell lung cancer, which is platinum plus etoposide. Yeah. So in, yeah. in terms of immunogenic cell death, yeah, uh, this may not be the preferred chemotherapy backbone in combination with immunotherapy. So we don't really know whether, whether in terms of, you know, the combination partner for immunotherapy, platinum plus etoposide is as good as it might get in, in, in small cell lung cancer. We know that this is a good chemotherapy backbone as a monotherapy, but one direction that we might need to think is also to select different chemotherapy backbones, which may work better in combination with immunotherapy. Uh, uh, that is a development that is, of course, less frequently taken. Uh, but I think it's an interesting thought because, we, you know, in, in, in non-small cell lung cancer, we have a lot of experience and we believe that, you know, Pemetrexep as a combination partner with platinum um, seems to be very good when it comes to immunotherapy because may may particularly induce immunogenic cell death. The same may be true for texanes. Uh, but for etoposide, we know much less if this is really a good, uh, good chemotherapy backbone in combination with immunotherapy. Well, I think this is the great point, but because we, I think we, we should look for the partners. I think you are absolutely right. We should look for the partners for immunotherapy. We know with the squamous cell that vaccines are great with mm -hmm. platinum and then in the non-squamous is pemetrexin and platinum. I think this is a great, great uh, observation, but the problem is that we don't have any, we don't have any other chemotherapy besides yes. topotecan, which is really awful drug in yeah. opinion in a small cell. So this is really great, which is awful. So I think this is, this, this is really great uh, observation. We, we have to look for the perfect partner for uh, immunotherapy with a, as a, together with mm -hmm. chemotherapy backbone in small cell lung cancer. This, this is something which is, we should look for.
together with the looking for uh, predictive biomarkers. So other than that, Marco, would you would you be comfortable applying thoracic radiotherapy to a patient which is uh, undergoing immunotherapy in the maintenance phase? Well, I have no, I have no idea. I would try. I would try. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not quite sure what to do with the patients who are I don't know in complete or near complete near complete response to and then yeah. to give maintenance immunotherapy either atezolizumab or durvalumab and then mm -hmm. apply the consolidation radiotherapy. I would go for a PCI. I think this this is fine. Yeah, but I, I, this is something which is fine. But I would I would be afraid because there are a lot of the problem is I think in a uh, thoracic oncology and oncology in general is that we are um, going. Uh, we are trying to see what is going, what's happening in the other tumor sites to, to lung cancer. So, I, and we are all waiting for, I don't know, Pacific two trial. Mm -hmm. We are waiting that uh, concomitant chemo plus immunotherapy and plus plus radiotherapy, and then we'll see if if if, if it's safe enough. Mm -hmm. And then if it's if if it's fine, then I will go with a concomitant concomitant um, immunotherapy and radiotherapy. So I think that, that's the problem. I think we should. I'm, the problem is that the numbers are much smaller than in non-small cell lung cancer. But mm -hmm. if you look at the uh, stage three, for example, lung, lung cancer is not the numbers are not much smaller than in small cell lung cancer. That's true. That's true. So uh, at the moment, I think we are. I will. I will be afraid. But I, I'm not. My gut feeling is that it will be fine. But uh, at the moment, I will. I will be afraid to to apply radiotherapy together with immunotherapy in uh, in a small cell lung cancer. Tend to agree, yeah. Tend to agree. I don't know what, what do you think about it, Wolfgang. I tend to agree. Yeah, I mean, this is a decision that really needs to be discussed with the patient. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, that's true. Very often, what we see is, of course, mostly mediastinal residues. Yeah, and yeah. we can, in in such situations, give consolidative thoracic radiotherapy um, without without irradiating too much of healthy lung tissue. Yeah. So, so sometimes this is a decision which, which may involve irradiating only very little lung tissue. And as long as I don't have a large amount of lung tissue in the radiation field, I'm of course less concerned about the combination of radiotherapy and immunotherapy. Uh, so in individual cases where maybe there is a PET positive residual tumor uh, and, and maybe you know the overall disease load has been limited. So a patient who had, let's say, bulky mediastinal lymphadenopathy, but no, um, and, and, and maybe a few pulmonary lesions, but no, no real um, infradiaphragmatic metastasis. This is a situation in which I might be, you know, tempted to still apply thoracic radiotherapy, yeah, yeah. Uh, knowing that there is no, knowing that there is no data to support this. Yeah. Um, You're absolutely right. Um, but but this is a difficult decision that you have to discuss both with the patient and the radiotherapist, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I completely agree. But I think that the biggest issue that you have mentioned in your last sentence is that we have to talk with our patients. I think mm -hmm. with, like, in, like in the last, I don't know, not the last two years, but in the last 10 years, we, when we go to the targeted treatments, we were just looking at the CT scan, everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment we have to discuss with the patients what the best options are and then talk about the risks of the side effects and everything. So I think that, mm -hmm. that we are coming the physicians uh, in a, mm -hmm. a real uh, sense of the way. I think that we are really become physicians we have to talk with the patients and ask for the mm -hmm. patient's preferences so i think you're absolutely right i i, I will discuss i would 
I mean, we are not we, we don't have reimbursed immunotherapy in small cell lung cancer at mm -hmm. the moment. We we had a lot of early access programs, mm -hmm. but at a, in those patients we were discussing in the so we treated like 30 or 40 patients with small cell lung cancer with immunotherapy, and, and a couple of those we discussed about applying radiotherapy together with immunotherapy, and, and it, and it did, they did quite well. So without mm -hmm. concerns with additional side effects. So I think it's fine, but we. You are absolutely right. We have to discuss with the patients about uh, potential uh, harms and benefits, of course, with the uh, adding radiotherapy to immunotherapy. Marco, Marco may, may I need to um, start another provo provocative question? <laughs> <laughs> Christine is the boss. So I, yeah, I mean, we are running out of time. But so we, we have time for one question, right? Question, the final so question, Wolfgang. Okay. Okay. It's great to listen to you. It's great. So, so you, have, you have a patient who, who has uh, chemoimmunotherapy, does well on the maintenance therapy, has a relapse, let's say, eight months into maintenance therapy, yeah? let's say one year after starting the chemotherapy. Yeah? And immunotherapy as well. And immunotherapy, during yeah. immunotherapy. So during the maintenance immunotherapy period, you have, uh, uh, so we now know that patients who have had, had, had a certain interval from first-line platinum-based therapy in small cell lung cancer, they may actually benefit most, not from starting on topotecan as a second-line therapy, but from restarting on a platinum-based uh, chemotherapy. The question is, do you keep them on the immunotherapy? <laughs> so, my gut feeling is that I will, I will keep the immunotherapy and reinstate it uh, platinum and etoposite for the full yeah. cycles and, and see what's happen, what, what will happen. So, I, 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 will, I think that immunotherapy should be go like a maintenance and then I will add uh, chemotherapy for another two or three or four cycles. Okay. And if it doesn't work, I will go over topotecan or CAV protocol or whatever. But I will, in that case, if someone is like, I don't know, okay with like 10 months or 12 months with immunotherapy maintenance, I will add the same chemotherapy as the first time, mm -hmm. like the sensitive small cell lung cancers. That, that's my opinion. I'm, there is no data about it. So that's okay. something which is not <laughs> quite, um, there is no evidence for that so that is my feeling yeah, my, my feeling too until we run out of the money yeah, yeah that, that's true that's true that's true <laughs> okay professor jakobovic and professor kastler thank you very much for this very nice discussion and stimulating chat dear listeners thank you very much for your interest in our fireside chat stay tuned we'll light up the fireplace soon for the third seacock fireside chat sponsored by astrazeneca stay healthy all the best christian dallinger and the seacock fireside team goodbye bye